Our scripture reading today is from Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and verses 9 through 30. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura, Dura in province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and all the governors, counselors, treasurers, justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to to dedicate of the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the, of the horn, pipe, lyre, trion, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods, the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in fury rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, and trion, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. O king, but if not be it known to you, O king, that, will, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and expressions on his face. And the expression on his, on his face changed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he ordered. The furnace heated seven times more than it usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments. And they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king ordered a argument that the furnace overheated. The flames, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bounding into the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. 
He declared to his counselors, Do we not cast free men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, O king, he answered, and he, O king, he answered and said, But I see four men bound walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fiery furnace, and the satraps, and the prefects, and the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. And the hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of the fire had come up on them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angels and delivered us his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king commanded and yield up their bodies and rather serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and that and their house laid in ruins for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in province of Babylon. This is the word of the Lord. Kennedy, great job, Peanut. I know that was a lot. I know it was my fault. I'm the one that picked the verses for her. But uh, yeah, let me get this right here. Oh, there we go. Easy. All right. All right. So good morning, everyone. It is amazing to be able to be a part of this church and uh, bring you guys the word here this morning. Um, but for kids or adults, really no judgment at all. Right? There are the, the big idea pictures in the back with crayons, Marines. I don't think there's any crayons. Oh, I think there's color, colored pencils. Sorry. Sorry. I had to get one, one Marine guy in there. I had to. Right, so there are the pictures in the back, and there's nothing that would bring so much joy for you guys to show me your illustrations, your notes, whatever you guys do, and describe them to me um, after the service. Would be would just be really cool. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll get down to it. Dear Lord God, loving, gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for for who you are, Lord, for your mighty work, Lord, that you have done here. Lord, pray. I pray, Lord, that whatever nerves or doubts, Lord, that I may have, Lord, that you work through them, Lord. And then it is not my words that are being spoken, Lord, but yours, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just work through me and that your word will be glorified today and that your name will be glorified today. In your name, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, all right, kids. Kennedy read a big passage there, but what name stuck out to you guys? Did any names pop out? Boom, <laughs> easy, easy. Was there a king, too? What was the king? Okay. Nebuchadnezzar. I know. That's all right. All right, we've been practicing a lot, so I'm like, no, it's all right. 
All right, so that's exactly right. So yeah, we are going to look at the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with King Nebuchadnezzar. All right, I'm pretty sure when, when Tracy and I first got married, if we ever had triplet boys, I told Tracy, like, we're going to name them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think they're just really sweet names. But I also thought that they were brothers as well. Has anybody else thought that they were brothers growing up at all? No? Oh, man, it's just me. It's like, maybe, I don't know, I just got that picture in my head because I'm one of three boys, so the story seemed like really relatable to me. If you want to throw the picture up, yeah, look at those sweet, handsome young gentlemen. Aren't they pretty stylish? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could run faster in those shorts because of those shorts. Like, those things are pretty sweet. And that's, obviously, that's a long time ago, but like, I think Eden and I have a lot of similarities there, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so just like, like we like to hear people's stories, and God worked through how God has worked through their lives, right? It's just wonderful. But this passage, right, never says that they're brothers, and they probably weren't, because if they were, typically it says that they're brothers like, you know, Moses and Aaron, or James and John, or that they would be like the sons of whatever the father might be, right? So not, not brothers, but nonetheless, these stories that we have been preaching are real stories at a real point in time with real people. And how God has worked through ordinary people. Gospel power through ordinary people. That has been the sermon series here for this summer. So it's not some make-believe once upon a time in a far off land, but real people, real stories. Ordinary people, real stories. So the main idea for today that I want to present to you guys is staying close to Jesus will strengthen our faith through the fire with the help of friends. So with the help of friends, staying close to Jesus. And faith. So we have all have put a faith in something. We've all put our faith in someone maybe as well. Maybe you put your faith in, in that supervisor to kind of get you through whatever type of moment. Maybe you put your faith in, in a pastor. Maybe you put your faith in, and maybe just in yourself, like I can pick myself off of my bootstraps. And kids, maybe you've put your faith in your parents. But what typically happens? Right, you get disappointed. That supervisor doesn't come through. The pastor comes, that we put on this pedestal comes crashing down. Eventually, they will fail you. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their faith was solely built on God. I'm going to say this probably about 50 times today. Solely built on God. So let's set the stage for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to see where they came from, because it really depicts like, where they came from to how they are here for today. Right? And it all starts in chapter 1. Right, I'm not going to go into too much of the history of Israel and Judah. There is a lot there, and I really encourage you guys to study that on your own as well, just the different kings and to kind of see the whole depiction there. But we'll start here in chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 in chapter 1. But let's listen for the cities, or the, yeah, the cities, the places, and a few of the names. So Daniel 1, 1 through 4. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, so, right, so there's a place, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, right, another place there, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king, then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and to the nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. All right, so we see awesome, some names and places here. So we saw, so we saw Judah, 
Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, the temple. All right, CC kids, you guys ready? Ready? Right. Judah falls, right? To, to. Right, temple destroyed. <laughs> yeah, now there's a lot to it. But this is relatively the time frame. It's actually about 20 years before this. But, I mean, sorry, 20 years before the temple was destroyed. So I did kind of set you up there. The temple wasn't destroyed yet. Because the temple was destroyed in like 586, 587, um, depending on a, certain, a couple of different things. All right, so but this is about the general time frame for you, for you CC kids, right? So it, Judah falls to Babylon. All right. Right, and it's all prophesied in Jeremiah as well. Right, but we can see, right, real people, real point in time, at a real place. Real place. And then what else do we see here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Right, so we see that they were taken from, home, from their homes in Israel. The king directed certain people to be trained. And this training was to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Right, what, what is that? All right, so it's pretty much to teach them the Babylonian history, their history, their philosophy, mathematics, the arts of war, navigation. It's pretty much to change who they were. And this training was for three years as well. So it wasn't just a, like a little couple-week training type thing. It was, it was a long period of time. All right, and it's pretty much to qualify them to serve their generations of Babylon, not Judah, but Babylon, and to make Babylon stronger. Stronger. So these young men really needed to be secure in their knowledge of Yahweh, the one true God, before they were taken, especially to be able to study the literature and language and everything that is being taught to them in just an objectively way without undermining their faith. Right, a lot of us have gone through some type of training, whether it be boot camp, basic training. What do, what do the Marines call it? Is it basic? Boot camp? Boot camp. Air Force, we call it summer camp. It's all good. <laughs> a little bit of marching, a little bit of PT, some ice cream. No, we call it basic training, I think. Right? And then, but there's OTS, ROTC, right? A whole bunch of different things, right? But all cutting aside, right? The purpose of that is oftentimes is to, is to tear you down and then build you back up into the valuable member of the military. Right, so this training that they were getting was able to change them into Babylonians, into one of their people, and forget who they were. And also, did anybody skim down in just the next few verses there? Verse 7. It says the chief of the eunuchs changed their names, and their names had meaning. So they took their Hebrew names and gave them the Babylonian names. Daniel was in this group too. So there's the four. And Daniel means God is my judge. And it was changed to Belshazzar, or Bel, to protect the king. The Hananiah, which means the Lord is gracious, they changed that to Shadrach, which is command of a coup, which is a Babylonian god. Mashael, which is who is like the Lord, to Meshach, or who is what a coup is, so going back to the Babylonian god. And then Azariah, the Lord is my helper, to Abednego, which is servant of Nebu, a god of vegetation for the Babylonians. So their original names had meaning for the one true God. But this is also part of the process for it to tear them down and break them back down and build them back up into what they wanted to be. And it really showed their dominance over the Hebrews. 
and to forget who they came from, the God of their fathers. So just additional uh, key points here. So they were Hebrew captives. They're good-looking, confident, smart. They, they could presented themselves well. They held themselves really well. It doesn't say how many were taken, but I'm sure it was more than just these four. And we'll get to that down, down the road here a little bit, too. We'll talk about that. But also, they were provided for. They were probably eating better than what they did before in, in Judah. Yes, they did do the, the Daniel diet. But nonetheless, they had all these opportunities. Everything was given to them. And it was probably to show that maybe that this was a better way of life than, than where they came from, too. And they were young, too. They were young. They were probably from like 14 to 17 years old. Right? These are key influential years. If anyone has studied like children's education at all, these are years that influence how teenagers think and reason. I never said that's how they make good decisions because of their reasoning. But nonetheless, right, this is, this is good, key, key, uh, good key times. And it was, and it was the time where like, their influence can be easily changed. Because they're be training to become leaders in Babylon. Forget where they came from and be one of the people of Babylon. All right, then we have King Nebuchadnezzar as well. He's obviously a, a vital part in this story. We're just going to just take a little, uh, just like a little glimpse up with him too. We can see his story unfold, right? It primarily unfolds in 2 Kings and when it kind of starts. And obviously the rest of the book of Daniel as well. Right? He conquered Syria, right? Because what is it? Israel falls to Assyria, Assyria falls to Babylon. Sorry, CC kids, he gets stuck on that. Right, so he made Babylon into a massive kingdom. And he did later destroy the temple like we talked about before. And he led to the, the, captiv the captivity of the Jewish people. And he also had several dreams, but we're not going to go over that today. That's a whole other sermon series in itself as well. But he reigned for 43 years. Right, and, the, and this period that we're going to be talking today is pretty much the, the early part of his kingship, the early part. Now, I really do encourage you to study the kings a little bit more, kind of see the whole process of how it came up, because it really just kind of depicts the Old Testament and the, and the need for a savior. All right, now that we have just, just, just that little bit of background, because there is a lot there, let's get into the passage here that, that Kennedy uh, read so well for us. So I had some measurements there in Daniel chapter 3, verses 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. Set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. All right, so 60 cubits, 6 cubits, what's that? So that's 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide. Right, so that's a pretty, pretty big image. If you want to throw that picture up. Does anybody recognize this picture? Obviously, that's Eden, right? <laughs> But what's the picture in the background there? Yeah, easy, easy. Good job, guys. All right, so whether you have been here or been here for a while or have seen this image or not, or the, the lighthouse in the back, right, that's roughly about 100 feet tall. All right, so kind of give you an idea of how truly big this image was. All right, some commentators said that it was an image of the King Nebuchadnezzar himself. Because typically when we see image, it means like human form. But nonetheless, it really represents an expression of himself, his greatness and glory. And it reflected the dream that he had, that he was the head of gold in chapter 2, verses 38. But it was probably not made of solid gold. It, maybe it could have been. That obviously would have been 
a huge chunk of money. But typically what archaeologists have found is that it's just primarily their artifacts have been covered in gold. If you want to throw the, the next picture up of the statue. So I think this is a pretty good picture of the statue there. Well, we have a lot of inspiring artists, aspiring artists in my household. So you'll see a lot of images today. But you can see, right, it's, it's obviously massive compared to the people. You can see, like, the herald there maybe proclaiming King Nebuchadnezzar, I think, like, in his tower there as well. And it looks like a lot of people are bowing down, but there's three that are still standing. And it looks like they're all on that Daniel diet as well there. Right, and it's also eating through some glitter in there too to make it just to make it pop. Because if it's solid gold, think of how a nice sunny day that would be probably like almost eye piercing how shiny that that would be. And then Kennedy read a whole bunch of names, a whole bunch of different type of leaders as well. And they all came together to worship him. Right, he was trying to bring unity. So this remember, so this is early in the king's kingship. He's trying to bring unity to the people of Babylon. So we brought all the leaders, and of course, they probably had what their entourage of people to help them. So there's probably a lot, a lot of people there, but then just a couple of those leaders. So a lot of people. So trying to bring unity to them. But also in the next few verses, it warned what would happen if they did not bow down. What would happen if they did not bow down? Something with a furnace, right? They get thrown into the fiery, burning fiery furnace. Kennedy's like. Right, so the music played as we listened to Kennedy read, and we can see that they did not bow down, right? They were told that they needed to be bowed down. They told what would happen if they did not, because they would serve the one true king. I'm sure many of you guys are thinking, it's like, yeah, no problem, I get it. I wouldn't bow down to a gold image like that either. Right, I get the second commandment. You should not make for yourself a carved image, and you shall not bow down to it. Right, you haven't, like, whittled anything or made anything and worshipped it. When traveling Japan, maybe you visited some shrines, seen some temples and stuff like that, and you didn't go down and worship it. Right, and you're probably right. right? There are many of us who probably wouldn't bow down to an image, like a man-made image like that. But let's be truly honest with ourselves. We don't need others to build idols for us. We are good at building idols in our own lives ourselves. Because oftentimes it is ourselves that can be that idol. We are the idol. We like, we like control. Maybe it might not be even the, the physical object, but anything that we put above God. Right, so we talk about second commandment, first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. So what have we put above God? Right, the list can go on. Career, money, status, marriage, kids. What? The list can go on. Because there's nothing more dangerous than religious confidence and a fake God. God deserves all of us. So let's just jump down into verse 13. So they don't bow down. The Chaldeans kind of, I'll say, dime them out. They were bowing down, but maybe they were bowing down and looking around to see. Maybe they kind of had it out for them as well, as far as maybe they were jealous of the positions of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But verse 13, it says, When Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought, so he brought these men before the king. So furious rage. He was trying to bring unity to the leaders, but these three teenagers stood. And when they kept standing, when everyone else bowed down, right? When everybody else bowed down, then they stand out for sure. But what makes us into a furious rage? When someone typically does like the exact opposite 
of what we told them to do. For your kids, have you ever asked your parents, like, can I go do this or can I have this? And they say no. How do you guys respond? Is that always the greatest? No. <laughs> Adults, same thing. If somebody does the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. Right? We, we really quickly get angry, maybe frustrated, whatever it might be. Right? Because we like this idol of control and we want to be in charge. I say this because we often try to, I guess, be in the camp of Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego. But I think we're a lot more times in the camp of King Nebuchadnezzar with our furious rage and anger. And then the king gave him a second chance. Let's just look it down in verse 15. We're going to focus a lot on that question, but let's just see what, see what he says here. So now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into, into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? He's like, all right, guys. These are the instructions again. Just in case if you didn't hear them, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do, and this is what happens if you don't. Right? So he was commanding them to disobey God. But Shadrach, Meshach obeyed the king up until this point. Right? They, didn't have to, they didn't maybe have to go to that dedication of the image, right? they were, but it wasn't disobeying God there. And we look at this question as well. Right? He didn't ask why you didn't bow down or did you not hear the herald proclaim, like, this is what's going to happen to you. No. He asked, who is more powerful than me? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Just think of the, the King Nebuchadnezzar and the power that he thought he truly had. Uh, his kingdom was massive, but he is not the true king of all kings. If you want to put the picture up, So this one's done by Kennedy. And you just see, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but we see right, that massive throne. Right? I, and maybe that's just his, King Nebuchadnezzar's idea just of how big and powerful he is but, and how little everybody else is compared to him. But he thinks that he's above everybody else. But their response, their response was calm respectful, but also bold and very to the point. And it answered the king's question too. So let's just look at verse 16 through 18. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So they showed no disrespect. But they also didn't know that they, that they might be killed. They, they didn't know that God was going to save them. We can look down a few verses. It's only like, what, eight verses? Where it says, right, but they didn't know. In this time frame, they were bold. They stood in front of the king. They think that they were scared in front of that king? I think they were. But they didn't know that they were going to be saved because it didn't, to them it didn't matter. Right? They would rather serve the one true king than this false 
king. And kids, we've been working on a memory verse. Of course, everyone, we encourage you guys to memorize this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 17. But if you are younger than 17, we had to put an age limit on it, so 17 and younger, the end of this sermon series, um, there will be a, a, a treat that John is going to have, I think the blue seal ice cream. But if there's, is there anybody that would like to come up and recite the verse? You can come up. Or, or a whole bunch of people, like that would be cool too. I have an idea. No? You want to? Oh, you, you, you guys both can all come up, sure. Okay, I have an idea. Okay, okay, guys. Listen, listen. you guys want to do a volcano style? Start really quiet, really low. Okay, and then get really loud. Okay, can you guys do it? Okay, volcano style. Okay, you got it. Okay, nice and low, and then really loud. Okay. All right, you guys ready? Okay, start really low. Volcano style. Okay, ready? Show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. Bria, thank you for coming up. Okay, cool. Thank you. So that's something that we do in elementary a lot. We it's called volcano side. We start really low and really quiet, and then you, as soon as you get get to the end of the verse, you start raising your voice and just getting louder and bigger. And it's, they obviously are a lot louder in elementary. Today, maybe they're a little quiet. Right, but, but it really shows that God's power, not King Nebuchadnezzar's power. So they knew that God is the one the power, not King Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's God who is the creator of all things, the giver of life, and not King Nebuchadnezzar. Because when we stand up for our faith, we don't need to respond with hate or anger. We can depend on God. We can lean on God. Their treasure, their treasure in jars of clay was solely on God. It wasn't just, just a little part of their life or a part of all the other good things in their life. It was their life. It was their life. It was their treasure. Their identity, their full identity was placed on him and him alone. Then we see in the response in verse 19, he gets even madder. It says, with fury. That can also be translated into hot anger. I think that's a good expression of it. Because he gets even madder. Right? He gave them another chance. He almost maybe even felt betrayed. You've got to think, like, he provided for them. He thought he was giving them a better way of life, a good education, a good position. But they didn't bow down to him. I think it's almost like, almost like a slap in the face towards him, maybe. But now we're at the fire. But is this when the fire started for them, though? Because we also think of fires as what, a trials, maybe deep valleys, hard times. Was it here or was it before? Let's just look back. So their conversation with King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Standing in front of the king, telling him, I'm not going to do what you say. And it didn't matter, because but if not, we'll still serve the one true king and not your king and not you. Was it, the only, when, was it when they were the only ones still standing? Right, everybody else was bowing down. You think that was difficult for them to stand out? 
knowing that, right, they probably did hear what the herald said, that they will die. But if not, we're not going to serve your king, we will serve our king. But if not, was it during their training? When they were being taught all these different things, do you think that was difficult for them? Yeah, for sure. Because but if not, they still served the one true king. Or did it start when they were being taken, taken from their homes, not knowing maybe if they would live in Babylon for a long period of time, or if they were just going to take them and kill them there, whatever it could be. They still had their faith in God and God alone. But if not, they didn't know what would happen. They still served the one true king. And so it wasn't just now. They've been in this period for a long period of time. Long period of time. Some of us, maybe we think of these valleys and just troubles, fires for short periods of time. It can be a long period of time. Because this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Magnago, like this, their story stops here in chapter 3. They're still, the uh, king, yeah, yeah, King Nebuchadnezzar does it, so reigns for 43 years. They don't return back to Judah for like another 70 years. So it's a long period of time. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire because they disobeyed the king, but they did not disobey the one true king, right? Their identity was as sons of God. And the king was in such a rate, he ordered it seven times hotter. Can something truly get hotter, right? It's already super hot. It gets even hotter. Of course, it can get seven times hotter. You grill masters out there, I'm sure that you guys are out there, right? Got to control the temperature and whatnot. But the point is not the temperature of the fire, but the fact that it was probably the hottest that they can get. It just, that's just how angry he really was. In verse 22, it says is that it was, the furnace was overheated. It was so hot. Who all likes your campfires? Campfires? Yeah. Why do you guys like campfires? Because there were s'mores. S'mores. You throw sticks in. And wood. Wood, yeah. Parents, if you're neglecting your children from s'mores for campfires, there's, that's like the, whole, like the purpose of campfires is to do s'mores, right? It really, but just imagine the fire being so hot where you can't even like get close enough to, to roast your marshmallow. That's just... Just the, the heat that's coming off that fire, off that furnace. I know some of you guys just stick the marshmallow in there, and then just flaming goo everywhere. But it's probably so hot where you can't even get the skewer close enough, even close enough to the fire in order to get it cooked. And the fire was so hot, right? It killed the men that were throwing them into the furnace. And they fell into the fire. So either they maybe either had to like walk up a ramp, or nonetheless they had to be pushed in. So they fell. They, if they fell into the middle, so that's probably like the hottest part of the fire. Think of like campfires, right? What's the hottest part? It's those hot, deep coals. The hottest part. So they're forced to the bottom. But what do you think was going through their mind while they were being, I guess, escorted or pushed or whatever it may be to the fire? I thought about this, like, were they, were they praising? Were they praying God to save them? Like, save us before we get too close. If you want to throw that next picture up, if you'll go back one, sorry. See, let me see four people there. If you look maybe close on the bottom, this is Jack's illustration here. You see the fires? But he thought the guard maybe fell into the fire, too. You can kind of depict that out. 
but there's four. Right, these fires of life, right, they can come quick without notice. Right? And they were bound in their cloaks. They were made powerless. Binding, binding somebody is like you are controlling their power. Right? And they didn't have time to prepare for it. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted it quick, so he got it quick. And the ones who served Nebuchadnezzar are the ones who died. Right? Those guards who served Nebuchadnezzar, the ones who died. The principle of this is that it is a dangerous thing to serve those whose words are in conflict with God's. But what do we see? In verse 24, it says that, it says that, somebody's, that somebody was with them. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste and declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Like the son of the gods. So, their savior was with them. Even the king recognized that their savior was with them. Remember, King Nebuchadnezzar thought he is the one who had the power. Who's going to take you out of my hand? Right? And it completely changed the king's mind. Who is the one true God? Right? And then the king even described, described this fourth person. Well, in 20, 25 here, it says, like a son of the gods. Then in verse 28, it says, as an angel. So this could have been the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, like a, a pre-incarnate of his appearance. It doesn't say specifically, but God was there. God is the one that brought them through. Because when we are in fires, we can rest knowing that we are not alone. The, whole, the Spirit is with us, even if the fire could lead to death, right? But if not, but if not, we can still serve the one true king. Right, knowing that our Father loves us very deeply. And also when we are in the fire, people can recognize that we do not serve that situation. We do not, we do not serve that circumstance, that deep valley that we could be in. Our hope and joy is still on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were bound. In verse 21, it says, these men were bound in their cloaks. Then in 23, it says, um, they fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. 24, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? Then 25, but I see four men unbound. Right, they were made powerless going into the fire. Without their Savior there, they would still be dead. We are in bondage, guys, to our sin. And we've been going over these catechisms pretty consistently. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. By the gospel power, guys, we have been set free. Set free. God is the one that delivered us from the consequences of sin. Jesus is the one that paid the debt that we owe. Let's just read verse 27. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair on their heads were not singed. Their clothes were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Who had the power there? It wasn't the king. They had no power over their bodies. God is the one that is in control. I think this is just a good depiction of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Not a hair was hurt. 
Their cloaks didn't even smell like fire at all, like they weren't even close to it. It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that we are set free. So their faith, their faith was strong enough to endure three years of training. Right? They didn't forget who they were. I think of them maybe when they were growing up asking their mom, it's like, Mom, tell me about Moses again. Tell me how they brought them out of, out of Egypt. Dad, tell me about Joseph or King David, David and Goliath. All these different stories that they could fall back on to know the power, the true power of God. I like it in, um, in Joshua. We can see, right, it wasn't always the great military strategies that brought them out conquering all these things. It was God giving the enemy into the hands of the Israelites. God is the one who is in control of all of that. All right, so he was their cornerstone, and they were faithful to God's word. I enjoy building things. Do you guys like building things? Yeah? Magnet tiles or Legos? Legos. Uh, I agree. Legos. Magnet tiles? You like magnet tiles too? Uh, yeah, they're both pretty good, right? Pretty good. I enjoy both of them. So magnet tiles. So when you guys are building things, do you guys start building stuff at the top, like the roof, or like the base on the bottom? The base. Yeah. Sorry, that's a silly question. Legos. Legos, right. So maybe you guys have instructions sometimes, right? Step one. You put this piece with this piece. Make sure it's, you have to make sure it's lined up. Because if it's not lined up correctly, then what happens? It'll fall, or when you're building it, you have to like break it down, right, in order to get build it back, or kind of make sure that the piece was in the right position. Otherwise, it's not going to line up right. The next pieces are going to fall into place correctly, or anything like that. Yeah. So the first piece in our lives, guys, needs to be on Jesus Christ. Right? He is our cornerstone. All other of our pieces, all of other pieces of our lives will depend on him. But I think even more importantly, they need to align with him because that will form right, our character than our faith. We can see that in these young men. It didn't matter what was going on around them. Their faith was on him and his promises. Right? It's depicted all throughout scripture. In Psalms 118, 22, it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Isaiah 28, 16, therefore this says the Lord God, behold, I'm the one who has laid the foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will be not in haste. Matthew 21, 42. And Jesus said to them, Have you read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then in Acts, and then in Ephesians, and then in 2 Peter. All these different authors at different time periods all pointed to Jesus Christ being king, being that cornerstone. But let's just get back to the story here quick. There are probably others captured with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? With Daniel as well, because they had those four. What happened to them? Maybe during over the time of that training, you know, their faith was shaken. Because they ate and drank what the king ate. They had all the resources, whatever pretty much they need. They saw that this was a better way of life, right? They kept, Babylonians kept chipping away on their beliefs, showing them that, this, yeah, this is a better way left, and they forgot who they were. They were his chosen people. They forgot who they were. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their faith was solely built on God. Their cornerstone, their identity was on him and him alone. And it didn't matter what some king told them to do. They served the true and better king. Because right, their treasure, their treasure in jars of clay, they knew the power of God.
I just have one last thing. Let me point this out. I just, if you want to bring up the three pictures. So we have the picture with them in the, in the throne room there, them next to the, the image, as well as in the fire. But what do we see? Right, we see three men standing. Every time Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are listed, it is always together. Always together. Right, you can just look back. So they were taken from Jerusalem together. They went through the three years of training together. They're all appointed over the affairs of the province together. They stood and did not bow down together. They're at the king together. They spoke to the king together. They were thrown into the fire together. They stood in the fire together. And they came out of the fire together. And then they were promoted together. I think that was all of them. But what's the pattern? They were together. We don't need to go through these fires alone. We don't need to go through life alone. Right? We have these, these MCs, fight clubs. I really do encourage you to get in, into a community where you're able to share struggles, confess sin, get correction, and point one another to Christ and his redemptive power. For I know Tracy and I, we would not be the people that we are if God did not place them in our lives. It has been the community is what really is able to point us to Jesus. And say, I say get correction because we have been corrected, and, I, and that is beautiful. We have shared life. We have shared tears. We have shared struggles. And when I say get into community, just don't be half-heartedly into it. Be committed to it. Be willing to be open because we need to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us, a family that will stand by you through the hard, dark valleys, the fires of life. A verse that I reflect on often is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. I'm sorry, I don't have it for the slides. But it's a verse that I know I say probably in our MC like, at least every other time. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, which is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the days drawing near. If you want to throw up that last picture. This is, this is Jude's drawing. It's him, him and his battle buddy. For Air Force, right, we have wingman, Marines, I'm not sure, battle buddy, whatever it might be, right? But it looks like they've been through some battles together, right? Because <laughs> even our kids need that community too. And John, last week, gave you guys some homework to find that person, what I think, to, to be and also find to, that you can hide with. So let's continue to build on that. Even if you're late on that assignment, it's okay. Go find that person that you can share community with and use this, these, these relationships to share how God has worked in your life. Maybe it's just through the past week, maybe this past month, this past year, whatever it may be. Because family... God is the one is the one that changed your life by giving you a new heart. We can rest. We can lean on him. We can stay close to him knowing that he is with us in the fire. And he is the one that can take us through the fire. Let's not forget what Jesus has done. Jesus is the one that paid it all. And let's align, align our lives on Jesus. And let's draw near and depend on him. So we're going to take this time. John is going to come up.
to, to confess and pray and pray for us. John.